and welcome to the Courtney and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of Corny and Lynn's Legal Chatter. My name is Heilala Tambete and I am the Director for Client Engagement and Business Development. On today's episode, I speak with Dr. Shane Mitchell, Medical General Practitioner at Western Downs Health Center. Here's how our chat went. Welcome. Uh, this afternoon, I've got with us our guest, Dr. Shane Mitchell, who's a GP sitting out in Dolby at the moment, who has uh, gracefully uh, agreed to come and have a chat to us about the uh, Queensland COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. Thank you for uh, giving us some time in the middle of your busy day, Shane. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here on the Legal Chatter podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Well, no, it's a pleasure. Thanks for actually inviting me to this uh, podcast. So, yeah. yeah, so look, Shane, you know, much has been said about the uh, Queensland government, um, how they currently have a strategy aimed at vaccinating priority groups, which includes workers on the front line. You're a doctor, you're on the front line, you're classed as an essential worker. Uh, can you tell uh, me and our listeners who are listening in just a little bit more about this strategy? Um Okay, so this strategy, so basically its aim is to end this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's been done through safe and, effect, and effective vaccine. Um, obviously, the government is is backing this, uh, this rollout, you know, and um, so they've even purchased, like, I think it's about 53, over 53 million doses of the vaccine already. That's, um, but this rollout, so what they're doing, they're doing it in phases so that, um, you know, as we said, so what the target or the priority groups or how they put them into groups is, so what they're doing is they, they've done an evaluation and they've picked out or they've come to a, uh, through the evaluation, um, they're trying to find out who would be most aff- affected if they got infected by the virus. Yes. So that, and so that's how they have uh, put the groups into, in, in, you know, prioritized the groups, I should say. So as we know, so what they've done is the first, the first group or the first phase was phase 1A, and that targeted basically border control, like border workers, um, I think quarantine and frontline healthcare workers. Right. So the front, yeah. So those. Uh, so the frontline healthcare workers basically would involve, you know, people with emergencies, uh, GPs who run respiratory clinics where you're going to get COVID tests, and that's because they are for for the obvious reasons that they are more exposed to getting the virus. So what they've done is yeah. So those groups. Uh, so an example would be like someone working in a respiratory clinic or so a GP. So he, if he got infected, he'd be um, at a high risk of passing that on to vulnerable. Um, oh yeah. And then from there, it can you know spread on again. So 
why community transmission. Yes, so that's why they've targeted uh, those guys first. So they they so that's already been done, the phase one A. So now we into phase one B. I think this is about the second week of this rollout. So this is the nationwide rollout, where again target groups or groups that have been put into uh, um, or the priority groups, I should say have been allocated. So the first ones in the, in the 1B would involve elderly over 70, right. indigenous over 55, um, and younger people who have medical conditions and also people with disabilities because they you know, have a high chance of um, contacting or contracting the, the virus. Because this is now a call out to the community to actually come forward in order to get an administering of the uh, vaccination to them. Um, what can they expect if they're turning up into, say, general GP clinics? Like, who are they seeing? Is it a specified nurse or a doctor? And, and what's the training that's rolled out to cater for this? Yeah, so what, what we've done, so with clinics who want to partake in uh, issuing the vaccines to uh, the community, so they have to. So what they what we've done is uh, show an expression of interest, and then when that's done, then we have to we've trained or we have to get one of our personnel trained uh, in terms of learning about the vaccine and the administration as well. So our exam, our our clinic, for example, we've we've got a designated nurse who's going to be doing that. Mm. She has done the formal training, you know, it's like a little online course that she did where she actually had to pass it. Oh, to, wow. To be able to be, yeah, so she had to be accredited. So she's done that. And so what we're doing now, because she's completed that, uh, we've requested for our dose of the, you know, our batch of vaccines to be sent to us. So we, uh, because we kind of rural Queensland, you know, Queensland, so it's, we're not in a very high risk uh, region, so we're getting it by the end of this month, mm. yeah, which isn't too bad. Mm. So what we're doing in the meantime is any patient who comes in who's over 70 or like who fall in that, that uh, priority group, um, then we, we inform them about the vaccine rollout and then we uh, put them onto a register because it's going to be done in, in a couple of phases. So. Mm. With vaccine, we've got to give it in two doses, anywhere between four weeks, four to 12 weeks after the first dose. So what we're doing to just kind of streamline it is we booking people in for a particular date mm. and giving them a specified date afterwards for review rather than let them choose. All right. Because within that time frame, they shouldn't get any other vaccine. Side effects? Oh, other yeah. So it's they get the one vaccine, and then we wait for them to get the second one. But yeah, so that's what we're doing. We putting them on the register, so they'll know, and giving them a date to come in. We're gonna have a specified date of the week. So I think a day of the week we're gonna do is like a Thursday to do vaccination specifically, and then we'll and when they get the the jab, then yep. they've got a day in the clinic for at least. 15 to 30 minutes to look out for side effects. 
Right, okay. Are you anticipating that there are going to be uh, side effects or have you uh, experienced or, or seen without, of course, divulging any confidential information? No, but, no. no. Um, so it's, it's basically that's the practice when, even when we give children the vaccinations. So when we give them the vaccination, we ask the mom to stay in the clinic for a short period of time to see if any reaction happens. So okay. it's the same, same thing we do in so nothing uh, totally you know, different from what we normally do when we give someone a vaccine. I mean, yes, this vaccine is new, so we don't have too much data in terms of, you know, yeah. what happened, but we do, we've seen some, I mean, some side, common side effects that have been mentioned so far. Yeah, what are they? I think they would include, um, uh, like tenderness at the side of injection and pain, uh, some people complain headaches, fatigue. Mm. So they're very common side effects that can happen, but they usually they they found that they're pretty mild and they tend to so within a few days of after having the vaccine. So it's not too different from an administration of other sorts of uh, vaccines that you give yeah. and you've got a set process in place. I've got another question for you, Shane. Uh, yeah. Because it is the administering of a vaccine for uh, uh, for a virus that, yeah, as you mentioned, not much is known about. Do you have a specific area within your clinic that's like more or less sort of cordoned off or quarantined off from the main section? Yeah, so, sort of we, so what so the vaccine will be given to people in our, treat, well, our treatment room area. So where we have accessibility to, uh, you know, the drug trolley and emergency trolley, if anything, uh, you know, nasty was to happen. Mm. Uh, and plus we've got, you know, trained personnel on site. So nurses were trained in, you know, like if they were to have a very serious side effect or uh, adverse reaction, then as would we do with any other vaccine. So we have we have an emergency trolley at, at, on site. So if anything happens, you know, if the airway gets compromised, we can deal with it and, and so forth. That's fantastic. Now you mentioned um, earlier about uh, this stage 1B rollout, uh, including uh, an administration of the vaccine to the elderly. There was a recent report uh, in the news about uh, an overdosage uh, that was administered. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, you know, I, I suppose my question to you was, is it an easy enough mistake to be made? Well, I think with anything, if I think it comes down to you know preparation and training. Yeah. So, um, and with this, uh, so it's something that I think the uh, an error like this could have happened with this new vaccine. Mm. It's compared to the normal, like to the usual flu vaccines that we give yearly. When it's given out, it's given as a single vial, a single dose vial. So one dose in one vial. Mm. Um, whereas the new COVID vaccine, we have multiple doses in one vial. So, and I think, yeah, so if you aren't trained well or, you know, sometimes fatigue can play a part as well, mm. there is room for error. Yeah. So, yeah we just going to be very, you know, uh, 
um, focused and like I said, if training's done and people are prepared, then there's less likely for things like this to happen. Do you anticipate that? I, I know you've mentioned earlier that you, you have a certain leeway time for any sort of side effects to, to eventuate, but do you anticipate that there might be a, a sort of a, a later or a delayed reaction? Um, not necessarily, but as with, so we, we're treating it as we would with any other vaccine. So we do tell the patients to look out for anything, uh, you know, any sort of side effect that may occur when they get home. Sometimes some people develop some delayed effects. Okay. Uh, like headaches, fatigue, nausea, vomiting. Sometimes that can be a delayed onset. Mm. If it's mild enough, it, uh, and as we've noticed with the, uh, you know, from the data that we have so far about the mm. COVID vaccine, that the side effects are mild. So people tend to recover pretty quickly from it. But we do tell them if things persist or things get worse, to if it's during daylight hours, they can always call us back, come back to the clinic, and we can reassess them. If it's really uh, nasty and they really feel unwell, they can call an ambulance uh, or make their way up to the emergency if they have access to you know, travel and they're not too far away. So that's that's basically what we inform patients what they need to do. Would you be giving uh, your patients advice uh, about you know once they have been administered uh, the vaccine dosage? Maybe after the first one, would you be giving them advice that they they're more or less free to travel around, or would you expect them to be contained or stay within their locale for a certain period until the second shot's been administered? Well. Um... Because I, I think with that, it's more, I think, to earn the side of caution, we, we advise them to stay within their locality. It, do, it doesn't give them the freedom to start traveling everywhere just after the first dose. But usually we're hoping to get more um, sort of immunity from the second, because the first one starts to develop their immunity against the vaccine. Right. Because it's the first time, as with the flu vaccine, if you get it for the first time, they advise you to get two shots so that uh, we can cover, you know, give you enough buildup of immunity against the, the virus. Okay. And um, do you have faith in the vaccine? I mean, on a more personal note, I mean, are you going to get it? Are you, you know, do you think no, it's no, going no. to be uh, the last guard against contracting uh, this virus that's confused well, and thrown the world into turmoil? Well, the virus has, but see, the vaccine, we are here to try and get rid of this virus. Okay. So, I mean, I'm going to have the, virus, the vaccine, so I'm going to put my hand up to get the vaccine. So, um, Yes, the virus is the one, you know, it caused this havoc in our lives over the last 20, uh, 12 months or so. Yeah. So we, so the medical field, so what, what we're trying to do is basically get rid of this pandemic. Yeah. Mm. So, and keeping in mind that I know there's a lot of fear about this, you know, because it's a new drug, it hasn't yeah. been as widely tested as with, uh, you know, the other flu vaccines and other things other medications and, you know, how people say that normally for a drug, before it's let out, there's a long period of time. That's so right. That period of time, yes, it's been 
shortened. So everything's been sped up. So everything's expedited in this case. But firstly, in medicine, we're in the business of saving lives. You know? Good answer. We, we're not. We're not going. We're not here to. We're not trying to cause something else. So we, we're here to do. You know what's right for people to try. And, we're trying to get rid of the virus. We're not trying to put people at more risk. Mm. So that's the first thing to remember. Secondly, in Australia, it's got very strict protocol or rules about new medications being put out. So it has to go through very vigorous uh, clinical trials over and over again before. Uh, they have to make sure that the public. Yeah, it's working well and the risk is, in, you know, there's no harmful effects mm. before it can come up. So that's what's been done in this case as well. Mm. It's just that everything's been fast forward. Now, I know that the federal government, I think they've got two uh, types of vaccines that yes. they've brought in. One is Oxford and the other one is the Pfizer uh, vaccine. From your own research and knowledge of it, do you have a particular preference for one against the other? Or? So with the two, so the, the Oxford and the Pfizer, so the Pfizer one is a frozen, it's a frozen vaccine. So it comes as uh, almost like a powder form, but it's got to be kept in, uh, you know, basically sub-zero. Yes. And you've got to reconstitute it, so you've got to add fluid to it too before you can give it. And it's the same dose that you give it. Mm. And whereas the um, the Oxford, which is the AstraZeneca one, mm. so that one is already in liquid form when you get it. So in terms of preference, like for us in the clinics, it's more practical for us to have the the Oxford, the um, yeah, the um, AstraZeneca one rather than the, the Pfizer because it's or how we can the cold chain might be broke higher risk of that happening if we have the frozen one. Right, so it's administration. Yeah, so that one is mainly kept, I think, in more bigger centers. Mm. So may prefer that or the hospitals as compared to us. So in terms of preference, yeah, I'd definitely say the AstraZeneca. They work the same, but one's a frozen or in powder form and one's already in the liquid form. That doesn't need to be frozen. Okay, wow. Wow, thanks, Shane. That's that that's excellent. So um, the one yeah, sorry. So the one that's been rolled out to our clinics is mm. the AstraZeneca one. So we get we we and I think that's the one that that's the main one that's been rolled out to most GP clinics. Oh. If I'm not but yeah, from what I've read and seen so far, most people are getting the, the Oxford AstraZeneca one. Right, okay. Um, so with COVID, you, you know, as you know, uh, border restrictions, uh, border closures, um, do you think the vaccinations are going to make compulsory for Aussies wanting to travel abroad? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Excuse me. So with that, um, I don't think it'll be made compulsory, but you know, people will be encouraged to have it. And I think there may be some restrictions um, in terms of travel. Um, like if you don't have, they, they won't say it's compulsory, but they may restrict you from traveling if you don't get the vaccine. That's, that's my personal thought on it. So it might. I think it's for good reason because uh, it's for the safety of everyone. So it's it's mm. safeguard not only us, like the the locals, but 
when you're traveling abroad for where you're going into. So it's just like if you, you know, if you're going into an area that's high risk of having a certain illness, we tend to vaccinate people before they travel. Yes. So you have like vaccination passports, I yeah. know, for certain yeah, areas. So that you, you protect yourself while you're out there. Mm. And you don't bring anything back as well. So I think, uh, yeah, so in uh, to answer the question in terms of making compulsory, I don't think they will straight out, but they will be strongly advocating for people to have it. Mm. All right. Um, any last words, Shane, about the uh, uh, vaccine rollout? Um, well, I think, you know, because this is, it's, it's a team effort. Uh, everyone has to, everyone has to play a part in getting this thing under control. We all want the same goal at the end of the day. We all want to get rid of this COVID uh, virus, this pandemic, so that our lives can get to a bit of normalcy. Some form of normalcy. Yeah, some form of normalcy, you know, compared to what it was before. Mm. You know, and make, you know, if you look around us, you don't have to look too far and you can see so many lives have been affected. That is true. So my, my, my only thoughts about this is, you know, let's work together, you know, trust in the system. I know it's hard, it's easier said than done, but <laughs> then, you know, like I said, we're here to help people save lives, you know. So, and I think if everybody works together, you know, come 12 months time, we might be, you know, this COVID-19 might be a thing of the past. So. Fantastic. Look, the very wise words and probably uh, the best way for us to uh, finish our, uh, our chat this afternoon. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Shane, uh, for sharing that with us. And uh, yeah, when the vaccine does roll out, uh, if anybody has any doubts, please feel free to have a listen into this legal chatter if you just need that extra bit of reassurance. Thanks, Shane. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 0732520011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.